0: An hour ago on Tech Talk, we brought up Starlink, Elon Musk's space-based internet system that uh, people can sign up for now. They continue to launch satellites, and that's one of the big stories we're going to discuss with Stephen Clark from SpaceFlightNow.com. And uh, Stephen, good to visit with you as always.
2: Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, very good. Uh Steven, uh, SpaceX and Elon Musk has been busy this week with more launches for the Starlink uh, satellite constellation.
2: Indeed. Two more launches this week, one from Florida, one from California, uh, carrying a total of 90 Starlink satellites. Uh, So these are becoming more and more uh, routine almost on a weekly basis this year. Uh, these launches, especially for the Starlink network, as, uh, each of these launches builds out the capacity and the, and the geographic reach of the network, uh, into more and more countries. I think, uh, SpaceX this week said there are 29 uh, countries that now have access to the Starlink Internet network, and they're adding more at every turn, every, every week just about more countries are, are getting access to this network. And, uh, I think their subscriber count now is over 150,000.
0: And they continue to build it, but remember, they're building this network for a couple of reasons. The the biggest is to generate the cash to ultimately get human beings to Mars.
2: Exactly, and uh, so SpaceX is is uh, building this network as a uh, as a source of revenue, um, and this revenue stream will then be turned uh, around and uh, reinvested internally into the Starship program, which we've talked about before this giant rocket spacex is uh, uh building and developing down in texas to uh carry heavier cargo into orbit than any rocket before it's the largest rocket ever built anywhere in the world in the history of the space age and uh and that does require quite a bit of money billions of dollars and they hope to get that money uh, primarily through the revenue they earn from uh, starlink subscriptions
0: yeah so so it's definitely a big deal that this network now there were uh, some problems with some of these satellites because they are in lower earth orbit and it had to do with a solar storm and they've made some changes based on what I read at the website spaceflightnow.com. Uh, they're putting some of these satellites in slightly higher orbits. How will that help? How will that help these satellites avoid problems in the future?
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. There was a launch a few weeks ago, uh, the beginning of February, that uh, deployed some satellites, uh, 49 satellites into orbit for the Starlink program. And, and there was a similar launch as all the ones before. However, they happened to launch uh, when there was a, a geomagnetic storm, so, so a solar flare erupted from the sun, sent out a burst of energy uh, toward Earth. And when it reaches Earth, that causes the atmosphere to sort of swell up and warm up and it creates more drag or friction at the altitude that these satellites are flying at in space in low-Earth orbit a couple hundred miles above the Earth. And uh, because they deployed in the middle of this uh, solar storm with a thicker atmosphere at that altitude, uh, they actually uh, re-entered the atmosphere, uh, most of them re-entered the atmosphere uh, before they could sort of turn on their engines and do their own checkout and begin climbing above uh, that thicker uh, drag, that atmospheric drag that was bringing them down. So they couldn't overcome that. And uh, so these last two missions, uh, SpaceX has slightly changed the profile of the launches. They're launching to higher altitudes to avoid any recurrence of that problem. Uh, The rocket, the Falcon 9 rocket that launches
0: these satellites will actually drop them off
2: above the effects of any drag that would be caused by a, a geomagnetic storm.
0: Uh, so they continue to learn. I know they've they've added uh, lasers, so they can communicate or send data between satellites. That's an upgrade, and we would expect this network of satellites to continue to evolve. But this network isn't without its critics.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's true from a couple of different angles. Uh, uh, some some criticize the uh, the network for. Sort of launching so many satellites into orbit at uh, at once, there, there's some concern from uh, some quarters that the uh, number of satellites in orbit are, are too difficult to track, basically, and create a, a sort of a traffic hazard. Imagine, uh, you know, planes flying without air traffic control, you know, and and the, the potential consequences and disastrous consequences of that. So there's a concern that having so many satellites in orbit will inevitably lead to crashes, which creates more space junk. And there's a a term called the Kessler syndrome, where if the space debris problem reaches a certain point with so much debris generated from collisions, that it will be irreversible. Um, However, SpaceX counters that uh, criticism by saying that they launch these satellites into uh, very low orbits, like, We saw a few months ago, a few weeks ago, we mentioned the the drag bringing the satellites down. So if the satellites do fail after they launch, the Earth's atmosphere will naturally cause them to reenter within uh, days or weeks in most cases. Um, So they wouldn't be a long-term debris hazard in orbit. The other uh, concern uh, that uh, some have uh, laid on SpaceX is uh, with the reflectivity of the satellites in orbit. So uh, these satellites reflect sunlight down to Earth, and if... uh, some of your listeners may have seen, or you may have seen some of the startling satellites going overhead at dawn or dusk. And the satellites, uh, turn out to be a little bit more reflective than SpaceX originally, uh, expected, uh, when they started launching these satellites a couple of years ago. And, uh, so, but, so that caused some concern from astronomers worried that they were going to interfere with, uh, some telescope observations, particularly observations that search for uh, asteroids that could be on an impact course with earth. And, uh, Uh, SpaceX uh, did take that criticism and they have uh, redesigned some of their satellites to be less reflective. They put a dark coating on their satellites. They added a visor to sort of make the satellites less reflective to try to mitigate those effects.
0: Yeah, and beyond that, SpaceX probably won't be the only game in town. There are other companies and other countries that have designs on launching similar networks. This idea is is not news, so we're 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 probably in the mode of this is just the beginning
2: you're you're exactly right So SpaceX has launched more than two thousand satellites right now they're uh, uh planning uh, they have you know detailed plans to go up to 4400 satellites and then if uh you know if everything goes the way they want and the market materializes, they have longer term ambitions to launch as many as forty two thousand satellites. So just imagine uh, that Uh, there I think there are other – the entire world's active satellites beyond SpaceX is 2,000. So SpaceX already operates half of the satellites that are operational in orbit, roughly. Um, However, other countries like China and Russia have ambitions to uh, build out similar broadband networks to uh, have their own domestic uh, capabilities for Internet service and uh, high-speed communications through space. And, uh, so, and those satellites, uh, may not be built to the same specification or regulation, uh, you know, in terms of space debris safety and also reflectivity as the SpaceX satellites. So, uh, you know, longer term, there's, there's some, uh, interest, uh, internationally among, uh, uh, international bodies of perhaps codifying some requirements for these satellites that launch from other countries to make sure that they meet the same specifications that, uh, that SpaceX is trying to meet. With their satellites. So SpaceX has launched these satellites. Like you mentioned, they're still learning, uh, you know, how to, how to deploy and operate so many satellites. So they're sort of the guinea pig here. Um, and I think they're trying to do their best, but it is a learning process and they're changing things as they go. But, uh, you know, other countries, other companies may not be so uh, willing to change their designs and change their operations, uh, you know, based on criticism.
0: There is tension in the world, Russia invaded Ukraine, and uh, there was a lot of talk on what the ripple effects could be, whether it's oil, whether it's uh, uh, stability in Europe, uh, you name it, the impacts of of that invasion uh, could be felt for a very, very long time. One thing we do know is that russia and the united states and other countries are partners in the international space station and there is concern about how operations of of that platform will continue going forward
2: yeah that's a question that's been raised often and continuously over the last few days um, and NASA and, and Roscosmos, which is the Russian space agency, have said that there's no immediate, near-term impact on the space station operations from this, uh, you know, from the Russian invasion uh, into Ukraine. Uh, however, the longer-term picture is a little more murky. Um, so NASA and Russia recently express, expressed interest in extending the space station program uh, out to 2030. And, um, I'm not sure if that's such a done deal anymore, uh, given the, the, the uh, tensions between Russia and the Western countries at the moment. And, uh, also there's a pl- there were plans to launch a Russian cosmonaut on a SpaceX uh, capsule, uh, later this year. I'm not sure if that's going to go forward or not. There's been no official announcement. Um, so I-, I think the, perhaps the best, uh, we could hope for from the space station's perspective is maybe continuing with the status quo, but I don't think there's much of an appetite for. And, you know, an extension of the space station now uh, of its lifetime, or any new uh, partnerships like the flying uh, uh, Russians on U.S. spacecraft. Um, so we'll see how things go. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a very it's a very evolving situation, and uh, we just heard today actually that one of the Russian space program's cooperative projects with uh, the European Space Agency is going to be suspended. Uh, they launch Russian rockets from uh, French Guiana, down in South America, which is a French uh, department, uh, which is a NATO country, and uh, Russia. And uh, Russia announced today. Russia's space agency announced today that that uh, operation of launching Russian rockets from uh, French territory will be suspended. So that's uh, one early casualty uh, in terms of uh, the uh, you know the, the global space program from this uh, crisis.
0: Yeah, and one thing we, we do know, and, and I can't remember the exact timeline, but it's relatively recently. The Russians did a test, and they they created a lot of space debris, and ironically, that space debris put the International Space Station in some jeopardy, and they had to change orbit, et cetera. So the, the fact that... Uh, Russia and China has robust capabilities in space. It is really another frontier of conflict that, well, has been threatened for a long, long time, but is worth watching in all of this.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did that anti-satellite missile test uh, last, late last year, and uh, that basically doubled the threat to the space station from space debris. Uh, and it wasn't just at the time that that threat is going to continue for, for months and years. So it's a, it's a continuing uh, risk that, that Russia introduced to the space station program and their own cosmonauts who live on the space station. So, you know, that didn't make a, a lot of sense uh, from my perspective of why they would do that. And, uh, you know, going forward, space as a new battleground, a new conflict zone is certainly a reality, uh, just like cyber warfare is. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why um, the U.S. Space Force was created a couple of years ago and, you uh, U.S. Space Force has been expanding. It was created under the Trump administration. It's continuing and expanding under the Biden administration because I think there's a consensus that, uh, you know, space warfare, uh, you know, is is a reality going forward.
0: Uh, quick break. Uh, we have more coming up with Stephen Clark from SpaceFlightNow.com. When we do come back, uh, we'll circle back around to SpaceX, get an update on Starship uh Elon Musk did a big presentation, a big media event down in Texas. We'll we'll find out if there's any news on that front if they will get to go ahead to do a launch. And then of course, uh continuing discussions that actually Starship ship will will probably uh be a big far, part of what happens on uh at Cape Canaveral, and Kennedy Space Center in Florida. We'll get his thoughts on that. And then oh by the way, the big SLS program, that big rocket Uh, being built by NASA, that has been delayed uh, further into the spring. We'll get Stephen's update on that in a moment here on News Talk, E-3-O-W-C-C-O. Stephen Clark joins us, spaceflightnow.com. I I subscribe, a regular reader, and uh, he's good enough to join us from time to time here on News Talk, E-3-O-W-C-C-O. Let's get an update on NASA's big SLS program uh Artemis ultimately will put people back on the moon if everything goes according to plan. Um where do we stand right now? I know it just seems like continuous delays over the history of this program. Will we see this first uncrewed launch this spring?
2: I think there's uh, still a chance although uh you know don't don't uh, pack your bags or book your ticket uh, to come see the launch quite yet. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, this launch has been delayed uh, more than four years now. Um, it, it, the program started back in 2011, targeted a launch in 2017, and here we are uh, in early 2022. The rocket is now built. Uh, the design is complete. It is fully stacked inside the Vehicle Assembly Building uh, here at Kennedy Space Center but it is not quite ready for launch. Uh, There's a major test coming up uh, later next month in March. Uh, They'll they'll actually roll the rocket out. That's actually scheduled right now for March 17th. There's some degree of confidence that it actually will be rolling out around that time for this test. However, the test is a critical one. They'll be loading fuel into the rocket for the first time uh, at the launch pad, making sure there are no uh, leaks in the launch vehicle, leaks in the ground system. They'll be running through a practice countdown to make sure all the software is, uh, fully configured and ready, ready for, ready to go for the launch. So there's a lot that can go wrong in that test. So, I, I, until that test is, uh, done, uh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, place any bets on when it will actually launch. Um, right now, the liftoff of the space launch system is scheduled no earlier than sometime in May. And I think last time we talked, they were targeting April. Now we're talking a month later in May. So schedule does continue to stretch out. Um, but, you know, it will be a, a major milestone to roll the rocket out and go through this test. But, uh, you know, it's uh, anyone's anyone's bet really how the test goes. And then uh, after that, they'll be ready to set a launch date.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it is amazing, a very expensive project. And this will just be the first launch unmanned, and 100% of the hardware is disposable. Uh, a friendly reminder on that. Uh, Stephen, I, I want to get your update on Starship, because Elon Musk a little while back did that big media event down in Texas with a fully stacked Starship with the super heavy first stage, and then the Starship uh, mounted on top it was really quite a visual and we're still waiting for federal government approval for them to move forward with an orbitable launch of that system but Elon Musk continues to insist that uh, they are moving forward with plans for this system and and rapidly moving forward with plans to uh, ramp up operations potentially a starship down in Florida <laughs>
2: Right, right. So, the the Starship program is a fully reusable rocket in contrast to the Space Launch System. A little bit bigger, a little bit more powerful as well, uh, and designed also to uh, land on other planetary surfaces like the Moon. So, it's a much more versatile uh, system than NASA's Space Launch System rocket, um, You know, but it's also still in its development phase. It still needs to go through test flight, much like the Space Launch System does. And right now, um, you know, Elon Musk gave this update down in South Texas where they're building Starship boosters and Starship uh, spacecraft uh, at a relatively quick rate and uh, going through testing of of them on the ground, building up to this big orbital flight test. They'll try to launch this 400-foot-tall rocket uh, off of its brand-new launch pad on the Gulf Coast of Texas and try to put – a 150-foot-tall spacecraft into orbit, which will be a, a, a very impressive feat uh, if and when they pull it off. And uh, so that launch right now is still TBD to be determined on when that's going to happen as well. And one of the big uh, hang-ups right now is waiting for approval from the Federal Aviation Administration, which uh, is reviewing the environmental impact of the Starship program uh, down in Texas. This has been an ongoing review for the last uh, nearly nine months to a year now. I think it started last summer, uh, early last summer, so almost a year since this review began. And, of course, uh, bureaucratic inertia moves slowly. Uh, you know, I, I don't describe any ill intent to it. It's just the government works a lot slower than private in- industry, and that's always <laughs> seems to be the case. And uh, SpaceX is chopping up the bit to get that approval and get this mission launched.
0: Yeah, and then beyond that, I think Elon Musk says, hey, if we don't get the approvals or – we don't get the operating permits we need to have. Um, we we are moving forward, and they are moving forward as we speak, with, with a Starship base at Kennedy Space Center, as I understand it.
2: Exactly right. And they do have environmental approval already from the FAA for a launch site for Starship in Florida at Kennedy Space Center. So that already is in the bag. Uh, so they have the option to to. Move uh, their launch base down to uh, Florida from Texas if necessary, you know Elon Musk said that would uh, create a six to eight eight month delay in the starship program i'm I'm willing to bet now it probably would be over a year uh delay in in, in reality because the they're just now driving the pilings of the launch pad uh, for starship down in Florida, and they have a lot to uh to build out uh, to get the get the facility ready for such a giant rocket so uh that would be a, a rather lengthy lengthy delay. If, uh, you know, if, if SpaceX decides to do that, but they do have that option in their pocket and, uh, you know, Florida Kennedy Space Center is used to launching rocket rockets. It has a, a safety, a buff buffer zone all around the launch pad. So there's no risk to population. You know, the populated areas down in uh, at Kennedy Space Center are much farther away than they are in Texas. So that also might, uh, you know, apparently that played into the FAA's reasoning for going ahead and approving a Starship launch already from Florida versus still reviewing it from Texas.
0: All right. Well, Steve, all always great to visit with you. Once again, I appreciate your work on the website, SpaceFlightNow.com. Take care.
2: Thank you so much for having me. T-Mobile has
0: invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.